Well, good day, all, and uh, welcome back once again to another edition of the Atheist News Network. Now, what we have on tap today is actually probably going to take us a little bit longer than our normal 15 minutes to talk about, because the person discussing this, uh, I, I have called people retards in the past, but this guy is the ultimate. He is the king of retards, in my opinion. This is impressive. Unless um, unless you, you just shut up and let me talk, I think we're going to go over that 15-minute mark. I think you're right. Yeah, yeah, well. What? Hey. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, what this is, is this is Orson Scott Card. Now, have you ever read Ender's Game? No, no. In fact, I, I've actually heard that Orson Scott Card is a good writer, but I've never bothered to read any of his uh, works of fiction, or nonfiction for that matter. You know, Ender's Game was one of my favorite novels. Oh, hang on a second. Uh, uh, do you mind waking up? We're doing uh, a podcast. Sorry. Um, Ender's Game was one of my favorite novels in high school. Uh, Ender's Game is all about this little kid who's really smart and bright and special and everyone bullies him because of it. Um, he's a total victim and it's just because he's so darn special. Why does that sound like a Mary Sue character? It sounds like Orson Scott Card is thinking about himself and he was bullied. It, it's, it's actually, you know, um, I liked it right up until I had uh, training in philosophy because the, the whole thing really is about how Ender is um, guiltless because his intentions were good. So Ender's Game, and actually even more Speaker for the Dead, the one that followed, Speaker for the Dead explicitly points this out. It's all about uh, your intentions. The action really doesn't matter. It's what you intended to happen. And I think that's, to me, that's ridiculous. Because um, first of all, the action has to be taken into account. Uh, even if you attend, what if you acted something where you, you know, that was totally opposite of what you intended? And B, we don't even know half the time our own intentions. Th this this sort of system of morality requires a um, complete and one hundred percent knowledge of our own intentions. Anyway, um, I thought it was good until until I kind of reflected on it. <laughs> yeah, because I got to tell you, you're describing something. <clears throat> That sounds absolutely horrible. I mean, really? Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to kill you and commit murder. My intentions were good. Oops. Well, that's okay, because my intentions were good? Well, that's pretty much it. You know, he was bullied, and um, and then he lashes out, right, uh, at his bullies, and he beats them up so thoroughly um, that they, they're too afraid, we think, to come back and bully him again. But the fact of the matter is he actually kills them. Uh, but he's still a good person, because he didn't mean to. Uh, it doesn't matter if you meant to or not. If you take that baseball bat and you crush someone's skull, it's the action is yours. You committed it, whether you intended to or not. Yeah, so you end up um, really, uh, when you're young anyway, you end up really sympathizing with this character because he's wrongfully bullied and he fights back successfully. Um, it's like the an adolescent's uh, wet dream. It's you know, like <laughs> I can get rid of all these bullies, and I'm unfairly bullied myself because I'm different and I'm special. And, you know, uh, um, anyway, he won a bunch of awards um, for Ender's Game and Speaker for the Dead. And, uh, he, 
those are the only two that I, I, I think I read Xenocide, which is the third one, but it, well, I thought it was absolutely horrible. Uh, at one point in there, they need to do faster than light travel, but it's impossible, but they think that, uh, <laughs> they get into a ship and they just think their way. They all think really hard and, and then, you know, the ship disappears and they, they do faster than light travel. I can't believe you read something <laughs> from this guy. I almost, I nearly stopped reading at that point. It was freaking ridiculous. Anyway, wow. He's really gone off the deep end uh, in the last 10 or 15 years or so. Um, he is Mormon. He is LDS. And uh, he uh, has written this article opposing gay marriage. So with that background, you want to launch into the article? Oh, I got to tell you, I... When when you sent me this article, I thought it was a joke article at first, but I just kept reading and reading, and my jaw kept dropping more and more open. I mean, this guy is tossing out claims that are just absolutely absurd. Um, he needs he needs a basic course in logic. Um, his uh, I got the sense through reading, and I read it twice, and it was very difficult to get through both times. It was so ridiculous and insipid. Um, yeah. But his confidence in his assertions, that confidence, I think, is only possible if uh, you have no idea about the opposing arguments. You know, What's you have no idea that your own logic is convoluted and it doesn't work, but you're, you know, blindly confident, just like religion. Yeah. Well, I mean, basically, the whole premise behind the article is that if, if we allow gay marriage that it will be the destruction of our society. I think this guy has been uh, imagining too much of his little science fiction stuff. And I mean, half of his arguments are just blatantly wrong. Yeah, well, let, let's take it. Um, I got a bunch of notes here. Um, you know, uh, it, it's so bad, you can almost pick out any sentence and tear it apart. That, that's how bad this article is. So yeah. let's go through and read a couple sentences from it. All right, well. The I thought I turned that off. <laughs> Very nice. We're, we're doing a podcast. That's, hey, you were yawning in the podcast, um, and you were 20 minutes late. What are you giving me <laughs> shit for? <laughs> Here's his very opening sentence, right? Yep. The first and greatest threat from court decisions in California and Massachusetts giving legal recognition to gay marriage is that it marks the end of democracy in America. Yeah. Really? <laughs> Now, this, this article was written uh, in 2008, I think, when, when these were still fresh in their mind, and the Californian decision hadn't been overturned by Proposition 8. Um, so he thinks that it marks the end of democracy in America. And once again, I would like to point out, uh, these Mormons are feeling victimized because the yeah. gay community are upset that they were pushing towards this. Um, yeah. You guys don't understand why they're angry at you? It has nothing to do with Orson Scott Card's marriage whatsoever. Uh, but, um, you know, it's the threat to America. It's kind of like Chris Butters, right? All, and Glenn Beck, all these Mormons. What, what is with them? I have no idea. Uh, he continues, these judges are making new law without any democratic process. In fact, their decisions are striking down laws enacted by majority vote. I'd like to uh, remind Orson Scott Card that we are a republic. We're not a direct democracy. Yeah, if we were a direct, direct democracy, things would be just a little different. Right. They always, they're they always in favor of majority rule when they're inside that majority. <laughs> it's <laughs> only when they find themselves in the minority do they howl loudly about majority abuses of power, basic inalienable rights for the minority. Right? 
Only yeah. when they agree with it. They can't step outside that box. But until then, majority rules, right? Yeah. Well, see, I mean, I'm sure I love that it. Orson Scott Carr would be very happy if the majority of Christians outlawed Mormonism. I think he'd be okay with that. Yeah, well, I, I, I'm I'm pretty sure Mormon history actually has some of that in it, and yes. obviously uh, he's he's okay with that because majority ruled. Yes, um, he is painfully unaware of his own religious history. Painfully. Yeah, very much so. You know, he he's unaware of <clears throat> he's unaware of, of history in and of itself. I mean, one of the first sentences that just slapped me in the face is this one. The pretext is that the state constitutions require it, but it is absurd to claim that these constitutions require marriage to be defined in ways that were unthinkable through all of human history until the past 15 years. Really? Well, what about Greek history where it was actually considered part of growing up when a young boy would take an older man lover and actually be brought up in the ways of manhood in Greece? Or what about the Greek army that was completely gay and in fact was a great fighting force in Greece and was well accepted. So obviously uh, 15 years stretches a few thousand years. Yeah, um, they I wouldn't say they're completely gay, but they certainly they accepted homosexual relationships and almost normalized them, uh, especially in Sparta, for example. Where yeah, exactly. You were supposed to have an um, older uh, male mentor who would teach you uh, in everything, including uh, sexual um, teachings. Uh, and this was institutionalized until he was, what, 30? Yeah. And then he was expected to find a wife? Yeah, exactly. But, you know, that's not the traditional. You know, because traditional ancient definitions are always right, correct? Um, this, this argument sounds good until you think a step or two beyond it, and this is what he's completely incapable of doing. If we accept that ancient traditional definitions are always right, then we ought to have slavery still. Because exactly. in the ancient times, slavery was rampant. It was uh, across the board. And, you know, you could argue, and they probably did in the 1800s, uh, that this is the natural order of things. They're slaves yeah. because we're stronger, and it's always been that way. Um, yeah. The, the stronger have, have always enslaved the weaker. And actually, that had been true up to that point. <laughs> but it was wrong. It was wrong. And we made progress. So yeah. don't tell me about traditional equals right. Horrible. Well, see, the amazing thing to me is throughout the entire article, he keeps going on and on about how marriage... Uh, is pre-government, how marriage is something that has lasted through the times. Do you understand, Orson Scott Card, where marriage came from? It was a matter of a man trying to ensure that his legitimate heirs were his. In fact, a lot of times, the men were allowed to go out and have other women lovers, but if that woman even was caught in infidelity once, then the whole concept of his children was in question. The idea that they were his was in question. That is where marriage came from. Not from any holier-than-thou, uh, godlike worship. This is how marriage came about, is to find a legitimate heir. Later on in the essay, he rails against, you know, how our society puts um, uh, less emphasis on marriage than we do property <coughs> 
Well, you know, I got news for you, Orson. In ancient times, marriage was about property. The woman, it was a property exchange. The daughter, uh, property of the father, was uh, given to the groom, so she would become his property in exchange for a dowry. Now, I think that um, since that was the traditional version of marriage, then uh, we ought to just continue that. Because obviously it's right. And by the way, the traditional version of marriage throughout almost all of human history was that you shouldn't mix races either. Yep. So that obviously should continue. Um, Traditionally, blacks should marry blacks, whites should marry whites, Asians should marry Asians. You shouldn't. There are even anti-miscegenation laws. You couldn't mix races. But a bunch of judicial activists overturned the traditional... Uh, definition of marriage and got rid of those anti-miscegenation laws. Uh, Where is this outrage over this? It's exactly the same argument. Well, see, I I think we should go back to that. I think women should be traded like a sports car. You have yourself a good woman, hey, trade her. You know, the funny thing is, is, is during that argument that you brought up, he actually states that uh, a man has a right to trust that all his wife's children would be his. Yeah, um, excuse me, uh, you should trust the woman. You shouldn't need laws to be there to enact, to ensure that they are your children. You either trust the woman or you toss her out on her ear, and she can do the same to you. He's, um, he's awful. He says, already in several states, there are textbooks for children in the earliest grades that show quote, gay marriages as normal. How long do you think it will be before such textbooks become mandatory and parents have no way to opt out of having their children taught from them? Shock! Horror! Children being taught tolerance? When will it all end? (laughs) My favorite part of that comment right there is the very next sentence. And if you choose to homeschool your children so that they are not propagandized with the normality of gay marriage you will find more states trying to do as California is doing, making it illegal to take your children out of the propaganda mill that our schools are rapidly becoming. Uh, let me tell you something, uh, Mr. Card. I was homeschooled. And uh, let me tell you how pathetic the educational system in my homeschool is. In, in fact, I would like to point out that teachers in an actual school go to college to learn about this stuff, whereas my mother, God bless her, I love the woman to death, barely finished high school. She was out of high school. She was planning on traveling the world when she married my dad. So a lot of these things that I had to learn, I had to teach myself. And that's not even including my brothers who didn't have any desire to learn. And so they didn't. They sat on their asses and did absolutely nothing. So let me point out just how much I agree with California that you should not be able to pull your children out to be homeschooled because parents do not have the credentials for this. Now, if parents could prove that they are educated for teaching in mathematics, science, literature, what have you, which, of course, that's a wide uh, range of ideas to be teaching, which is why we have many teachers, if a parent can prove that, Okay, I'm all right with it. But you bring forward to me one parent, just one parent, who has their children in homeschool, who has those credentials, and I will be on my knees praising you. It's really 
arrogant to assume that you can just pick up a textbook without any training uh, whatsoever and be as good a teacher as someone who has, has gone through four years, got a bachelor's degree in that subject. Um, it's beyond arrogant, and, and it's a disservice to your children. It, it really is. I mean, not only to their education, but There's, to their social. Yeah, their social development. And uh, most of the kids who've been homeschooled will tell me that um, they resent it because they lost out on a lot of opportunities. Prom, for example. Um, yep and the ability to socialize at the exact time when they needed it the most. Exactly. And, I mean, I, I actually knew several families. I grew up in a very rural area, and I knew of at least three families besides mine that was doing homeschool. And in all of them, all of the children were kind of closed up. They were very shy. They, they, they were very uncomfortable in groups of people more than those that they have known for a long time and it's it's a complete disservice to any social development of any child right. I agree. so he says um, and th this is this is awesome it's one of my favorite sentences how dangerous is this politically please remember that for the mildest of comments critical of the political agenda of homosexual activists I have been called a homophobe for years uh, I mean <laughs> Yeah. He says this without any hint of irony. Remember, the very first sentence, he, he said the first, first and greatest threat from the court decisions is that it marks the end of democracy in America because they want to advance um, basic human rights to gays. And he yeah. thinks that's the mildest of comments, critical of political agenda. You know, well, he's just a very, very, very slight anti-gay. Yeah. He's a homophobe. Yeah, it's it's flat out. I mean, it's hilarious to me that he can sling out this stuff and then he becomes slightly offended when someone turns to him and goes, "Dude, you're a homophobe." Totally. I mean, totally. It's the Christian victimization complex. He says, you know, rails all about how this is the end of democracy. These gays are turning over the traditional definition of marriage. It's unnatural. It's sinful. And then someone calls him homophobe and he's like, "Oh my god." I'm the victim. How dare you? Don't you understand that I love these gay people even though they're going to burn in hell? Some of my best friends are gay. <laughs> and this one, too. This one struck close at home. Um, quote, a term that has mental health implications, homophobe, is now yep. routinely applied to anyone who deviates from the politically correct line. How long before opposing gay marriage or refusing to recognize it gets you officially classified as, quote, mentally ill? Oh, 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 oh God. God. Yeah, I diagnose homophobia all the time in my clinic. Um, in, in fact, Charlie's diagnosed me with it, and I'm on drugs, <laughs> so I, usually, can, I can get rid of that. I usually recommend a desensitization program of lots and lots of gay porn. <laughs> <laughs> and, and let me tell you, I'm going through that, and although uh, I'm very secure in my manhood and my heterosexuality, it, it, it does kind of, eh, eh, yeah. <laughs> because you're homophobic. Keep exactly. Watching. I'm very homophobic. <laughs> oh, God. He continues. Remember how rapidly gay marriage has become a requirement. When gay rights were being enforced by the courts back in the 70s and 80s, we were repeatedly told by all the proponents of gay rights that they would never attempt to legalize gay marriage. Uh, it took about 15 minutes for that promise to be broken. 
I love it. Actually, uh, Orson, it took nearly 40 years. <laughs> Whatever. Well, I, I yeah, you know, do you remember a... anyone ever promising that they would never attempt to legalize gay marriage? <laughs> Probably his one gay friend. <laughs> it's as if uh, Orson's sitting there tapping his foot saying, all right, I'll allow this gay rights crap, even though I don't like it. But no marriage. That, that is off limits. You have just crossed the line, my friend. I allowed so much, and now you've crossed the line. Uh, I'll allow, you know, laws to be enacted not to beat the crap out of gay people, but don't you dare take my marriage. Don't even think about it. <laughs> it's, it's great to me, because, I mean, another line. It's hilarious that we're reading so many lines out of this, but, I mean, it's just so rife with just absolute stupidity. But, I mean... One of my favorite lines was, married people are doing something that is very, very hard. Oh, yeah. To combine the lives of a male and female with all their physical and personality differences into a stable relationship that persists across time. Oh, really? You think coming together in any sort of coupling is going to be easy? You think that the reason why people are gay is because it's easier for a man to be with a man or a woman to be with a woman than the other way around. You don't think they're going to fight? Their personality differences are any different? Yeah, because it's so easy for gay couples, right? They have it so easy. Because in addition to all the stresses that heterosexual couples have, gay couples have to put up with people like this douchebag telling them how unnatural and sinful and horrible their relationship is. How would you like to live in yeah. a society that routinely tells you that you have no right to, to be married? And up until about 10 years ago, you had no right to visit your uh, loved one in the hospital. You had no visitation privileges. You have no right to inherit anything. This is what oh, they're telling them. Sounds easy to me. Yeah, piece of cake. Um, <laughs> here's another one that, that, that just defines Orson Scott Card's complete obliviousness. Quote, here's the irony. There is no branch of government with the authority to redefine marriage. Marriage is older than government. Its meaning is universal. It is the permanent or semi-permanent bond between a man and a woman, establishing responsibilities between the couple and any children that ensue. So that this shows a complete and utter lack of understanding, not only of his own church history, but his namesake. He was named after Orson Pratt, <laughs> who was a polygamist. Right? Yeah. So for the first, you know, polygamy I don't think was ever legal in any stage of the game where um, Mormons were practicing it. Certainly wasn't legal in any state that Joseph Smith practiced it. Uh, it may have been semi-legal uh, during the uh, territories uh, of Deseret before the Edmonds-Tucker Act. Yeah. Um, but uh, uh, <laughs> the government, the, the um, Mormon church was on the opposite, opposite side. So just 150 years ago, you talk to any Mormon, and they'd be on the opposite side of this issue. You know, yeah. traditional um, marriage between defined as between one man and one woman, wrong. <laughs> the Old yeah. Testament. Look at the founder of the Abrahamic religions, Abraham. Oh, he was polygamist. Yeah. How about um, uh, Jacob, right? Uh, the, yeah. the, the tribes of Israel. Oh, polygamist. <laughs> Well, see, the funny thing is he does. I mean, he probably wouldn't even understand that polygamy came about because back then children died all the time, so you wanted to make sure you had as many children as possible to ensure your line continued. It was written in ancient contracts. 
if the wife whose duty it is to bring children to the marriage cannot it is her duty then to find a woman who can because yeah. why because they're property orson they're property um that's the ancient definition of marriage oh you property th this guy cracks me up here here's another one in an era when birth control and abortion make childbearing completely optional the number of out-of-wedlock births shows the contempt that many women have for marriage. Yet most of these single mothers still demand that the man they chose not to marry before having sex with him provide financial support for them and their children while denying the man any of the rights and protections of marriage. Yeah, victimization again. Oh, the poor man. The poor man, he has to pay for his own children. <laughs> he has to support his own children. He has to actually pay for the actions, uh, deal with the consequences. Not only that, but... The child I mean, orphan is a child, okay? It doesn't care about the rights of the father to visit him, uh, which, by the way, are given when that relationship is established. Um, the kid needs to be taken care of. And since he's your child, you need to pay for that. Yeah. Oh, this dude. Every every sentence I read of his, I'm just like, oh, you are such a retard. Um, here's another one. If a court declared that from now on blind and sighted were synonyms, oh, God. would that mean it would be safe for blind people to drive cars? Okay, Orson, um, your analogy falls on uh, fails in, in one, um, <laughs> one aspect, all right? There is actually such a thing as blind and sighted people in nature, right? And he says, you know, if the government passed a law declaring that gray was now green, um, you know, would our streets be greenery and uh, our parking lots parks? Um, there is actually, you know, green is defined as a wavelength of light that actually exists in nature. Marriage is a concept, all right? It doesn't actually exist. <laughs> Just because a male wolf and a female wolf um, pair bond for life, uh, I'm not sure they do, but <laughs> they do. They do. A hypothetical yeah. example. Um, doesn't mean they're married. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it's an abstract concept that doesn't have an analog in nature. It doesn't actually exist except in our heads. Yeah. Well, and obviously it does. Concepts can actually change over yeah. time. So, Orson, are are you telling me that throughout all of time? Green was called green? Right. <laughs> the traditional definition of green was always a certain wavelength of light. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, this, this one's good, too. Um, there is no natural method by which two males or two females can create offspring in which both partners contribute genetically. Now, careful, Orson, uh, this line of reasoning might not lead where you want it to go. Um, yeah. He uh, continues... Again, when they are able to create children together, married people then provide the role models for those children to learn how to become a man or a woman and what to expect of their spouse when they themselves marry. Now, remember um, that, that that statement applies to gay couples as well, with the exception they cannot uh, create children, quote, naturally. Um, of course, Orson, that puts infertile heterosexual couples in the exact same category. Exactly. If, if you define... If you define a marriage as the ability to naturally bear children, then you are excluding heterosexual infertile couples from that definition of marriage. But he doesn't. He doesn't care. A little bit later, um, 
he does, uh, I think, um, refer to it. And where, where was that? Let me find it. Because I think he, there it is. When a heterosexual couple cannot have children, their faithful marriage still affirms in the eyes of their uh, other people's children. <laughs> yeah. The universality of the pattern of marriage. Um, he realizes that he, he has uh, painted himself into a logical corner with these ideas that, you know, gay people can't create children. Uh, and then he, then he thinks later on, oops, uh-oh, what about infertile heterosexual couples? Yeah. And so this is an attempt, but he fails to see the circular reasoning, right? You're begging the question <laughs> here. If you define marriage as as, as universal and in this pattern of male and female, then of course a heterosexual couple will affirm it. I mean, yep. You're an idiot, but that's circular. Oh, yeah. Oh, God, this guy, I mean, seriously, probably the one sentence that just really, really got me riled up was this one. Uh, basically, he's going on and on about how bad uh, this whole idea is, and this is his statement. I will act to destroy that government and bring it down so it can be replaced with a government that will respect and support marriage and help me raise my children in a society where they will expect to marry in their turn. Let me tell you something, uh, Mr. Orson. Yeah, I was in the military. I actually defended this country. I have been to other countries. I have seen how good this country is. And let me tell you, if you ever raise a hand against this government, I will be the first to rise up and bitch slap you down. I love it how um, they love this country right up until it disagrees with them. And then the the um, response is not to try to get together on the grassroots level within our system that we have set up that's so beloved um, and, and vote new people in or, or get judges that are appointed that, that, that agree with you. That's not the solution. The solution is overturn the government. I mean, exactly. For God's sakes. Hey, that is treason. When you talk about overthrowing the government and, and inciting other people to overthrow the, the government, that's sedition. That's treason. Yes, it is. What what you need to do if you love this civilization so much is work within the system like everyone else is. Yep. So clearly, people who are working within the system have more of a love of, of, of our government that apparently, you know, through Orson Scott Card's own religion, uh, tells him that our government was set up by God. God directed Columbus to get here. God raised up our founding fathers to, to give us this constitution. And he wants to overthrow that. Why? Because, heaven forbid, they give gay people the same rights as um, uh, heterosexual people. <laughs> well, exactly. I mean, in the very next statement, he says, If the Constitution is defined in such a way as to destroy the privileged position of marriage, it is that insane Constitution, not marriage, yep. that will die. Yep. Um, excuse me, uh, I was raised Mormon, and... Uh, in every session I went to, it was constantly that our founding fathers were guided by God in order to uh, to create this constitution. So therefore, shouldn't you be listening to God yeah. and His will? And supporting the constitution. Don't try to overthrow God's work, Orson. Um, are you still there? Yeah, the kids are starting to wake up, so gotcha. I'm trying to mute it in between. Gotcha, okay. Um, here, here's another good one. Um, 
quote, men routinely discard uh, – this is when he's talking about you know, railing against heterosexuals themselves who are bad examples of, of marriage and how they, they've done so much to damage the institution themselves. Uh, quote, men routinely discard wives and children to follow the nearly universal male biological desire for diversity in mating, end quote. I want you to remember this line because he, he ends the essay with this sentence. Biological imperatives trump laws. <laughs> Orson, you've clearly not thought this one out. If biological imperatives trump laws, then um, the universal male biological imperative for diversity in mating should lead to either polygamy or institutionalized adultery or, God forbid, homosexual marriage. Well, we can't have that now. <laughs> Uh, it's amazing to me that just a couple paragraphs later, you know, he can say one thing, a couple paragraphs later, say the exact opposite. But, you know, it's all supposed to mesh because he's he, he's he's right. Well, that's what happens in circular reasoning. Everything's supposed to mesh because you're wound up in so many circles that you're like, what the f... Uh, yeah, I can't... <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, anything else? You know, he commits treason um, a couple times in the essay. Uh, oh, I love this one. Society gains no benefit whatsoever except for a momentary warm feeling about how fair and compassionate we are from renaming homosexual liaisons and friendships as marriage. Um, I got one for you. How about respect for basic human rights? <laughs> yeah, I mean, seriously, Orson, you are talking about a religion that is supposed to be all about being fair and just. And in that one statement, you just proved that how much of a sham it is, how stupid it is. Yeah, um, right. You, you'd show that you are homophobic and you have no respect for what should be a basic human right for everyone, regardless of sexual preference, to enjoy. Uh, the next one, um, it's about grandchildren. That's what all life is about. It's not enough just to spawn. Your offspring must grow up in circumstances that will maximize their reproductive opportunities. Here, he commits the is-ought fallacy. It isn't about evolution. It's not about maximizing reproductive success. Um, that has nothing to do with what life is about. It has everything to do. Didn't you just read it? God, life isn't about ensuring that your children will grow up so that they can spread their sperm or eggs as much as humanly possible. <laughs> Makes sense to me. I'm all for it. You idiot. You've been you've been reading um anti evolution literature too much. That's what these guys think it's about, you know? Because evolution says that the strong must survive or um you know the weak must die out before they're reproduce. That must mean that morally or ethically that's what we're obligated to do. And here it is from a Christian. I mean, this very argument. <laughs> God, it's a fallacy. Just because yes, but it's funny. Natural selection is doesn't mean that's what we ought to do. God, well, he's an idiot. I'm I'm pretty sure this sort of thinking was exactly with Glenn Beck, wasn't he? Saying that we were going to bring about the super the human super race because of uh, stem cell research. So yeah, yeah, that's what that's what he thought. Oh God. All right, uh, last one for me is another uh, instance of treason. How long before married people answer the dictators thus? 
Regardless of law, marriage has only one definition, and any government that attempts to change it is my mortal enemy. I will act to destroy that government and bring it down so it can be replaced with a government that will respect and support marriage and help me raise my children in a society where they will expect to marry in their turn. Treason. <laughs> Traitor. Once again, you go ahead and rise up. I will be the first in line to stand against you. Yeah. Yeah, I, you know, I'll join the military. These idiots think that um, uh, denying people a basic human right is important enough to overthrow the government. Uh, I'll be first in line. Sign me up. Yeah, yeah, maybe we can thin out the population of retards and idiots. <laughs> Uh, I think we pretty much hammered that one out in our longest atheist news network to date. And and I gotta say it was worth it because this guy just has absolutely no idea what he's talking about. Yeah, we may just make this into a podcast. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> you, you got any other great? I think we we've almost taken every sentence out of his article. It, it's difficult to find anything else that we haven't hit just yet. So this guy's a clear lunatic. He's a complete and utter lunatic. Um, and you can see that he just doesn't mildly oppose, you know, the, quote, homosexual agenda. <laughs> no, not even a little bit. I, and, I mean, he, he has the right to be offended because someone called him a homophobe? Yeah. He's, he's so disturbed, so disturbed by granting a group basic civil rights that they should have had all along, by the way. He's so disturbed by this that he wants to overthrow the goddamn government. That's how mild, uh, mildly he, he uh, <laughs> is against this. God. Yeah, I mean, seriously, why don't you just stand back, take stock of yourself for yeah. one second, serious stock. And I mean, look at Shakespeare. Obviously you believe you're an educated man. To thine own self be true. He's got no insight whatsoever into his... He thinks that he's, you know, completely fair, he's completely, you know, in, in the right, and, um, you know, he's the exact type of person that would say, uh, homosexuals are okay, they're fine, um, I wouldn't allow them around my children or anything, but, um, yeah. you know, I have friends that are homosexual, um, some of my best friends are, you know, this is exactly the type of tone, he's got no insight whatsoever into how he really feels. And once again, let me point out that history repeats itself. Wasn't that the same sort of uh, obvious thinking that was going on back when civil rights were up? Yeah. Well, it's exactly the same thing, right? Um, don't, uh, don't put these kids into the same schools, right? They've always been um, educated separately uh, when we've allowed these black children to have any education at all. Um, so what we need is separate but equal. And so his whole argument, really, uh, is that you can name them homosexual liaisons or friendships. I love how he says they're friendships, right? Yeah. <laughs> how often yeah. do you have sex with your friends? Oh, <laughs> uh, well, that depends, male or female. Doesn't that elevate the relationship? <laughs> Just a little bit. Homosexual friendships, I love it. And, you know, you can call them civil unions, you can call them liaisons, whatever. Just don't call them marriage. Yeah. Um, it's the whole separate but equal argument all over again. Failed once, it'll fail again. Um, you cannot have separate but equal. The fact that it's separate does not it does not make it in any way equal. No, not in the These least. Relationships are monogamous. They are um, 
dedicated to the other person. They fulfill every single role that heterosexual unions do. They should be called marriages and have the exact same rights as marriage. So you don't have to legislate that a civil union has the same rights as marriage. You just call it marriage. And that yeah. has nothing to do with Orson Scott Card's marriage or mine or anyone else's. Yeah. I mean, what really is, is the threat here? I mean, if, if you don't even believe that, uh, that the government can change the word green to gray, then what does it matter if they define this as marriage? Yeah, well, that's true. Orson Scott Card can go on not recognizing gay marriage. <laughs> exactly. As long as it's institutionalized in the government and made law, Orson Scott Card can do whatever he wants. Yeah. You know, he doesn't have to uh, recognize a marriage between a Hispanic and a Caucasian. He doesn't have to recognize a marriage between a black and a Caucasian or an Asian and, and, and a black. It doesn't matter what he thinks. Nope. Not what in the least. Is what's written in the law. You know, he can be offended that black people choose to marry Hispanic people of a different race. He well, we can't offended. have that. He can be offended all he wants. But the fact is, it's still a marriage. Do you want to call that something different because it's so offensive to you? Because I, traditionally, races were not allowed to mix? You want to call makes that Makes sense something? to me. Let, a, let's a, just. Let's call it an Asian Caucasian friendship. <laughs> they can have the rights. They can see each other in the hospital, but that's as far as we're going. <laughs> Unbelievable. Unbelievable. And this kind of anti-gay bigotry, which is exactly what it is, no matter how fair or honest he or Glenn Beck think that they're being, it is absolutely homophobic and anti-gay bigotry. There's no other word for it. It and has see, zero effect on their marriage. Their marriage yeah. will continue with whatever state it is. If it's a good marriage, it'll remain a good marriage when Proposition 8 is overturned. Um, yep. If it's a bad marriage, it'll remain a bad marriage. It has zero to do, zero, zero to do with Glenn Beck's or Orson Scott Card's marriage. And I'm you assuming they're married because they're Mormon. They obvious. probably have a, you know, a, a litter of children. Litter is an understatement. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting, though. I, I can kind of see where Orson Scott Card's thinking is coming from, because I myself was raised Mormon. And in fact, I remember this one instance. I was actually, I was uh, young, I couldn't have been uh, 12 or 13, something like that. And uh, I was uh, kind of uh, standing back, listening to a bunch of adults speak. And of course, you know, uh, the rights of a gay person and even the act of gayness in uh, the Mormon religion is completely wrong. And I remember hearing these men in church, mind you, this was in church. I, I remember hearing these men tell this joke. Um, ah, what is it? Uh, I got to remember. It's been uh, like 20 years. Uh, basically, the joke was, uh, uh, why are uh, gay people pushing so fully for full rights. And one of the guys looked over and said, they want half off on Vaseline. That doesn't even make any sense. No, it doesn't, but I heard that joke. I mean, I'm not kidding you. I was in church, kind of standing back, listening to this group of men wearing suits and ties, and they told this joke. And, I'm, and I remember sitting there, and I'm, I kept trying to figure that joke out. I'm like, why is that funny? It doesn't make sense, because... Heterosexual couples don't get half off on Vaseline. What? What is that? That's horrible. Don't know. And, and this, no. uh, 
you're right. Church is not the proper venue to be discussing lubrication of sexual activities. Uh, <laughs> or the fact that but apparently it's, civil it's, rights. Apparently it's okay because they're gay. So yeah, yeah. You know, it's so all right how old to tell. Were you? Like sixteen. I was no, no, no. I was twelve or thirteen oh, when I awesome. heard that joke. It's awesome. And you know, as far as Orson Scott Card is concerned, um, you know the the Church uh, of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints, the Mormon Church, put out a proclamation to the world about the family. You remember this? Yeah, I do. And it dates all the way back to 1995, <laughs> 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 where they say, you know, we, the First Presidency and the Council of the Twelve Apostles of the Church of Jesus Christ, blah blah blah, solemnly proclaim that marriage between a man and a woman is ordained of God, and that the family is central to the Creator's plan for the eternal destiny of His children. You know, th this um, clearly wasn't the Mormon Church's traditional definition of marriage um, until at least 1890, when the Manifesto stopped plural marriage. Up until yeah. then, it was practiced almost at all times. I mean, Joseph Smith uh, received the revelation, I think, in 1827, or at least he should have, because that's when he took his first plural wife. <laughs> yeah, well, we both know that he also excommunicated, uh, who was that, uh, who called him on that when he found out that they were having the affair. David Whitmer. David Whitmer, that's David right. Whitmer or Cowdery, one of the two. Um, I think it was and, uh, The woman's name was Fanny something. I, I, I found Fanny it funny. Yeah, I found yeah. it funny because her first name was Fanny, and so I keep thinking yeah. she must have had quite the fine Fanny to be after. <laughs> so... So 1827 is three years before the church was formed, right? church was formed April 6, 1830. So um, there was no time that plural marriage wasn't practiced in the history of the church all the way up until 1890. The only difference is uh, from 1827 to 1852, it was practiced in secret. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So um, it took until 1995. Um, you know, they, they abolished uh, plural marriage in 1890, and they abolished it again in 1904 because <laughs> they continued <laughs> to practice it in secret in those 14 years. But they did it for sure, you know, hey, we really mean it this time, in 1904 with the second manifesto. You never hear about that, but that, that that's what happened. Of course Joseph not. Joseph F. Smith. Um, and so it was 1995 when they said, oh, there's a family proclamation, by the way, it's between one man and one woman, blah, 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 blah. Except... So after you die. After you Correct. die, then you get to take on many women. Correct. And um, still, it still is practice that uh, the woman needs to get a temple divorce before she remarries, before she gets a temple marriage. Yep. The man does not. He can be married polygamously in the temple for time and eternity to multiple women. They can get a temple marriage and a civil divorce, and the man can marry again and get another temple marriage. That's yeah. polygamy. That's polygamy right now, Orson. <laughs> yeah. Again, complete and utter lack of understanding of his own religion. It's amazing to me. I think it's just the gray area where if if it doesn't agree with your beliefs, you just kind of shove it off into the gray area. I guess. Or you just, yeah, compartmentalize it. You just stick it in one area of your brain and uh, believe something else in another. And then those two beliefs never come in contact with each other. So you never really think about uh, the contradiction. And even in Orson Scott Card's article there, massive contradictions. Oh, all over the place. I mean, at, at one point, he is praising our government up to the uh, concept of this gay marriage, 
And then in the next sentence, he's saying he wants to overthrow it. I mean, filled with contradictions left and right. Bring it on. Let's resurrect the Mormon army. uh, Yeah. And uh, let's have them march against uh, the government and see how... See see what happens. <laughs> Either the Mormon Church or the government will be overthrown, and I'm not sure the Mormon Church is all that well armed. No, no, and uh, I think uh, back when I was Mormon, I was the Mormon Army with uh, my collection of weapons. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be like a white puff of smoke. <laughs> we'll barely even make the news. Yeah. All right, so there is Orson Scott's card, uh, Scott Card's lunacy and uh, um, treason on display, uh, and we'll have a link to that article for anyone who wants to read it. Amazing, absolutely. Yeah, amazing. yeah. Now, like Charlie said, it took him a couple times to get through it. Uh, me, I read about halfway and just kind of shook my head, shut it down, and figured I'd read the rest of it when it came time for the podcast, which is what I did. So. Just to warn you, it is it is so rife with stupidity that it may take you a couple reads to even get through the entire thing. Yeah, and I'm not sure it's worth it. If you've listened to this podcast, you've essentially read the entire thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I wouldn't even suggest reading it once you're done listening to this podcast. Right on. Um, so we'll decide whether this is an Atheist News Network or an actual podcast later on, right? I'm thinking it's a podcast. Right. We're up to like 50 minutes. <laughs> we'll make it a podcast. That sounds good. All right, right on. Um, We'll see you guys next week. Have a good one.